Hello, and welcome to Nourishing Our Roots podcast, where we bring you practices and conversations around wellness from a decolonized perspective and help you dig into your roots and find wellness from within. We have four episodes in this season, released bi-weekly, and each episode features a new guest as well as a new theme, like spirituality, art, embodied practices, and sexual health and positivity. So we believe wellness should be approached in a holistic manner and not only include physical and mental, but also spiritual and emotional wellness. This podcast is supported by LGBT Youth Lines Provincial Youth Ambassador Program. My name is Grace, and I'm one of your co-hosts for this podcast. I'm recording from Guelph, located on the ancestral lands of the Adewandaran people and the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, my name is Ashiana the other co-host of this podcast. I am currently located in what is colonially known as Thunder Bay in so-called Ontario. And I acknowledge that this is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, namely Ojibwa of Fort William First Nations. And I also acknowledge the various contributions made to this land by the Métis people. As we engage in this discussion on decolonizing wellness, we remember that our liberation and resistance is connected in creating futures centered around well-being, joy, and community. So welcome to another episode of Nourishing Our Roots. Today, we are talking about creativity and artistic expression. Creativity for me is a means to disconnect with this world as it is and to bring out something entirely new from within. It is thinking outside the box and not caring about what the norms are or what other people think and just letting your energy flow freely. So today we will discuss some practices that will help us creatively divine and express ourselves outside the colonial views of artistry. Today we are very excited to invite Jam Bridget to the podcast. Hey y'all, thanks for having me. Um, Jem Bridget is a Black queer visual artist, writer, and aspiring author located on the land of Mississaugas of Skookog Lake outside of Toronto. Their writing has been featured in independent publications like the 1919 Magazine, Subvert Magazine, MB Magazine, and Rose Quartz Magazine. They spend their time writing, cooking, reading tarot cards, and freedom dreaming with their chosen family. Their handle is at Yikes Jamaica on across all social media pr- platforms. So welcome to Dorshida Roots Jam. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk with y'all. We're yeah. excited to speak with you and have this conversation. So first things first, we want to ask you our theme question, which is what does the phrase decolonized wellness mean to you and what imagery does it invoke? Ooh, I think for me, decolonized wellness invokes um, ideas that like sometimes I more have questions than I have answers. Like what are solutions that we're not seeing or what are the ways that what is colonially or capitalistly prescribed, how is that failing us? And so if we can kind of understand some of the systemic issues that contribute to our illness, and if we can look to resist the way that capitalism constantly frames our attempts at wellness, then maybe if we fill in the cracks, that's kind of us decolonizing wellness. You know, if we decenter whiteness, decenter capitalism, center the margins, create community, always resist that isolation and loneliness that capitalism, you know, kind of infuses in this society, I think that's decolonizing wellness. Yeah, well said, because 
yeah individualism is a great part of capitalism and that's what you know that's exactly the opposite of community and community is uh, an integral part of wellness and so yeah well said jam thank you so much yeah and i also want to mention you know the first thing you said around like like decolonizing wellness means like asking questions like questioning and i think that's a, a huge part it's like saying why is this like this why do i have to conform to this when it doesn't feel natural to me when it's degrading my mental health and my spiritual health and all these things so i love i remember i was listening to a podcast that like there was this there's this woman speaking about decolonizing gender and one of the first questions was like what does what does decolonizing gender mean to you and one i i forgot the name of this person but one of the first things she said was like questions questioning and so yeah absolutely thank you for bringing all that to us yes absolutely <laughs> Yes. So now we would like to know a bit more about you. So can you tell us your story so far, Jam? Like, who are you and what was your journey to becoming the person you are today? Um, who am I? That's a huge question. Um, I'm a Jamaican. I'm a queer. I'm a friend. Um, I'm an artist. I'm a writer. But more than that, I'm a dreamer. I'm like, constantly poking holes, asking critical questions, trying to pull up the roots on the flowers that the people around me or the society around me is claiming as capital T truth. I'm always trying to understand like, where does truth come from? What is truth? What is my truth? Um, and I get here because my grandparents and parents immigrated from Jamaica. Um, I am here and I am the person that I am because they named me Jamaica. And so I feel like I'm always trying to live my life in a way that is in reflection of my ancestors' hard work and is contributing to my ancestors' hard work. So whether that means working at the library with kids, whether that means working in service of queer and trans people, whether that means protesting with my Black Students Alliance at university um, back in my day, um, that's the kinds of things that make up who I am. I'm always trying to ask myself like, like what am I actually being told? And what can I deconstruct from that? What do I think about what I'm being told? What do I do with this energy that is sometimes confused, always queer, always black, always wondering, and always trying to reconnect with my soul family? That's me. That was a lot. No, it was, oh my gosh, it was. Thank you. Thank you. And I love what you mentioned around like ancestors hard work, like, and like growing on, on that and that being a continuum. I like, there was a point, I think this was last year where like, I just started thinking because I feel like going back to this idea that we're made to feel so individual within wellness and, and that it's, it's like this individual thing and that our lives are individual, even like as black folks, we're told that our past doesn't matter and, and our ancestors don't matter and things like that. Um, and so, but this thing that I saw was just like that I'm, I'm a continuation of my ancestors. And so I don't have to do everything in this life, you know, like my ancestors contributed to my healing and I'll contribute to the healing of my descendants. And, and it's a, and it's a line and it's a community. And it's so, I love that you mentioned that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing and um, to elaborate a bit more on your journey. I remember in our pre-interview, you 
talked about getting through uh, your uh, high school and having like that self discovery and mm-hmm. having that means of self expression through art so how did you come into like writing or artistry what was your journey I've always been writing. Um, my mom loves to tell me stories of like the first day she brought me home from the hospital. She was trying to teach me the alphabet. And I was walking around with a pen and a pencil in my hand before I was two. So wow. when I was seven and writing my first story when I was in grade 10 and trying to write my first novel, and now I'm working on like the sixth iteration of one story that is trying to become a novel now. Um, I've just always found that if I can't get it out verbally, if I can't get it out to other people, Um, I can find a means to communicate it to myself through writing. So that's just what I do. And I try to kind of write queer stories, write Black stories, or whether it's articles, write about these subject matters that they interest me, they impact me, and they shape me as a person. Beautiful. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you are definitely a writer. (laughs) We can say from your beautiful words that just, you know, make me want to like feel like stutter, stuttering. So thank you so much for those words. And Grace, did you have any follow up? Oh, yeah. Could you tell us like around your journey? I think you mentioned like community being a big aspect of of your journey as a young person as you move through high school to university to now. So yeah, so maybe like if you could expand a bit more on that and, and what that journey was like. Yeah, I really feel like, you know, we're social creatures, so it's hard to understand self if you don't understand others or if you're not around others. And so getting to high school and kind of like, whether it was like seeing um, older heads or meeting other Black people and kind of always, no matter what, creating this communion with Black people and then coming out as queer as one of the first among my friends, okay, I feel like that deserves a little bit of honor. And then having all these other queers kind of gravitate towards each other and then having that communion and then having like my sister friend guide me when it comes to like understanding what pronouns I want to use or what gender expression or what words I want to use to describe myself or having gone to work at a queer camp and having like such a beautiful person guide me through wearing my first binder or speaking to somebody who I actually don't know how I met this person maybe it was at pride or through university or through a mutual friend and they helped guide me through the the um, process of getting top surgery like without all these people that help inform who I am or how I think or just give me the strength to be who I am and to stand behind how I think I wouldn't be who I am so I'm always like always gonna say these are my people this is my community these are my chosen family because like it's a staircase life is a staircase and like people are here building and helping me build my own stairs. So I always have to big that up because that's a huge part of the process. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jim. And so my next question for you is, what was the first thing um, you remember writing? Because you mentioned like that, oh, that beautiful story of you coming home and your mother teaching you the alphabet. So what is the first thing you remember writing that made you feel well or euphoric? Okay, well, are euphoric? That's a really good qualifier. Um, oh my gosh, I don't feel like I can remember one thing specifically. Maybe it's like a journal entry where like I admit a difficult truth to myself or um, an article, like one of the first articles that I got published about being queer and I felt like 
so proud and like, okay, maybe there are other people out there who I know I'm not alone in this queerness, but who specifically relate to what I'm going through. And that feeling of not being alone and that feeling of having my art validated by other queer people, that's probably one of the most euphoric moments. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And that just makes me think of, you know, I, I also at a time in my life, I still love writing, but I really loved writing growing up and, and reading is a, is a huge part of, of writing. So I'm just wondering if there's something that you read that just really inspired you, like in, in the early days of becoming jam. Um, wow. I feel like that is hard because like I was a voracious reader like you my library is like 10 minutes from my house you couldn't keep me out of that bitch I was always in the library and there was like summers where I was only trying to read books by queer authors or about queer characters um but I feel like I remember one in particular about an asexual person and I just feel like that was the first time in my whole life that I ever saw any asexual representation like on the whole planet other than like you know those tumblr days um, and that was just beautiful because I'm, yes, I love to read Black stories and queer stories that relate to who I am, but I'm also always trying to learn the world. So to read other perspectives is also so, like, magical. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you remember what the book is called by any chance? If not, no worries. But... Um, so no, sorry. Yeah, no, no worries. Oh, I remember... I remember I read this book in seven. Well, I mean, I I was also a very voracious reader, and I read this book in seventh grade called Parrotfish, and it was I read that. Yeah, it was it was like books. I think it was the first. I think it may have been the first queer story, queer trans story I read, but um, yeah, and it was amazing because it was assigned to us in class. So I was like, yeah. Wow. So it was really cool. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, that's cool. Like I'm, I'm feeling jealous actually because I have not read much literature on, uh, you know, queer uh, people or by queer people or about queer people much. Uh, so I'll have to catch up on that. So Grace, be sure to send me a, you know, a list like how you send me those podcast lists. Send me a list of. <laughs> books as well like I, I've read I mean I've read a lot since I was a kid and like once I moved out of India it has gone considerably low but I'm trying to bring my reading habit back so I think this will be something interesting to get back to that will be great to read some of that literature well, yeah reading mm. is such an amazing way of like lear learning people's stories and and validating your own and so I think it's really beautiful um and so we said we asked you the first writing um you are also an artist so what was the first drawing that you remember making that made you feel euphoric or well <laughs> um that is also very hard like mm -hmm. I've always been creating and so I feel like there's not a first but if I could give you one in particular, um, before I had top surgery, I painted what I would look like um, post-surgery. And that was, um, that was very euphoric. And even now looking at it, it makes me smile. So it's not the first, but it's a good one. <laughs> yes, definitely. I, I was, I was going to ask something along the same lines. Like what, when was the first time you drew something maybe, maybe cure, you know, when, when did you realize it? Like, you know, did you realize it in a young age? Did you just, you know, do the uh yeah 
Um, I, I feel like I realized at 12 and then I didn't realize and then I realized at 15, you know, like it goes dormant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a gene that's 15, gone dormant. Yeah. <laughs> and then at 15, it was like, I couldn't like, what's what I'm looking for? Deny it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then so whether it was like creating um, art of just like my name and hearts with, you know, other people or um I don't know, like, you know, like draw me like one of your French girls, you know, drawing (laughs) the female anatomy and then kind of being like, "Mm -hmm, you know, you like this a little bit too much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I remember once again, seventh grade, my my teacher in seventh grade was just great, but like, um, he was like an artist from like Paris. Um, and, and one of the things like he, like we would draw like like met like like we would like draw like naked people as like an art practice and it was like only ever men but I was but I would just always just draw women <laughs> and I was like a little a little too obsessed with that <laughs> like what's what's going on here but yeah thanks um and so I'm wondering how writing and, and art and creative practices serve you now how do you use them now I feel like um especially painting is very much like an intuitive and spiritual energetic practice where like I can shut off certain parts of my brain that are always thinking or that are thinking cyclical thoughts or that are thinking thoughts that don't benefit me then I can just be with my body I can just be with my spirit be with creative energy and then when it comes to writing it's again just like expressing myself in ways that I might not consciously feel like I can do in a verbal sense with other people Um, or just expressing my innermost thoughts in like pretty ways that feel good, that feel euphoric, that feel like I'm really getting to the depth of how I feel. I'm a Scorpio. So I'm always like, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. And I feel like writing and sometimes painting, sometimes drawing allows me to get as deep and as sticky as I actually want to get. That's amazing. Mm. And, um, I also love what you mentioned of like taking feelings and like turning them like like into like pretty poetry or like writing yeah. or things like that. Um, especially I know for me, like when it comes to bad feelings, one of the best things about bad feelings for me is being able to write about them, write a song about it, write poetry about it. Because I'm like, this is so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's a great outlet. And I want to get into more drawing again like I doodle but you know I never considered myself an artist uh, because you know it's just doodles just like you know wiggly lines squiggly lines that don't make any sense I think I talked about this during our pre-interview jam and then I saw your Instagram and you have some of your doodles are very similar to mine with your with like the squiggly wiggly lines and I'm like (laughs) oh okay so if, if they're they can call it art I can call mine art too (laughs) it absolutely is art I feel like if you're creating it's art just that's me if it comes from somewhere human if it comes from somewhere with feelings it's art it doesn't have to be pretty it doesn't have to be really high skilled or very detailed like you took something outside of your heart you made something you're a parent you know it's art you're a creative yeah give yourself that thank you thank you for that okay so yeah so we talked about how how these creative practices serve you so but how how do you use these creative practices to connect with your community 
I feel like, um, especially in my works that are published, um, whether that's like online or in print, when I write about especially queer topics, um, people feel that, people relate to that, people connect to people say, wow, you put in words where I never knew how to put in words. Or even like, I have a sister friend who showed um, an article that I wrote about being non-binary to their mom and their mom was like, I get it now. So in some small ways, you know, maybe someone reads my article and they're educated in some small ways, someone's heart is warmed or someone realizes that like, they can pursue their art, they can pursue themselves in their truth. And hopefully that connects with people. I mean, I did have a reader in Barbados and I think that's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> so I hope it gets to people and I hope that people feel like the love in it. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I saw myself and you said, you know, <laughs> just like how I mentioned, I saw your artistry and I'm like, yeah, this, you know, I felt more confident about my artistry. So that that's great um yeah and um around like we we did a program together before with the black coalition for aids prevention which is called black cap and we were community youth community youth facilitators and yeah it was very cute loved it the end of it we created a zine um and oh my gosh like your poetry your writing in that zine is so like it's so so beautiful it's so amazing it's going to be available online at some point so we will we will link that in at some point or yeah. share that but um I run discussions like with my university for queer and trans um, folks and like during our trans student discussions I'm like I'm bringing out your writing and I'm like y'all this is what they wrote <laughs> my heart wow, wow. yeah it's so beautiful and like I'm like tearing up they're like that's so beautiful um oh, thank you so thank you thank you for sharing your experience so that we can feel seen together and feel in community so yeah oh my god that's what it's all about you're gonna make me blush <laughs> wow that's amazing thank you for even telling me that <laughs> so you know we talked about wellness about current practice so um, I feel like there's an obvious connection here, but if you would be willing to expand more on how you incorporate your creative practices into wellness. I feel like to a certain extent for me, trying to be well in and of itself is a creative practice because I'm trying to create habits or I'm trying to create new thoughts or I'm trying to create more internal patterns or I'm trying to create this life for myself that holistically feeds every part of myself. So caring for my community, caring for my heart, caring for my mental health, caring for my emotional health, caring for my physical health, caring for myself as a chronically ill person. Like, I don't feel like my creativity, whether that's I'm chefing it up for myself and for my kin, or whether that's I'm doing research because somebody's ill, or whether that's I'm driving over and I'm going to bring somebody else food. Like, all these small things that even if we don't necessarily always consider them creative, they're creative and they create community, they create connection. And that also contributes to my wellness. Like I feel good when I care for people and I care for people in creative ways. Sometimes it is like writing a love letter to my homie, you know, or like I said, driving over the food or just checking up on people or making them a piece of art or putting my art on a sweater for them. Whatever it is, there's lots of different ways to incorporate creativity or even just look at care and wellness as a creative act honey <laughs> you are blessing us 
questions. That's yeah. Um, you know, that just that just even like, you know, there's all these like beautiful aspects of it, but like even being uh, a black, like for me, being a black queer, like neurodivergent person in the world, like learning and like doing things that are best for myself and learn how to navigate like neurotypical spaces and like and like cishet spaces and like white predominantly white spaces that's a whole cre- that takes a lot of creativity it does. Um, <laughs> and some of it is taxing and some of it is is stuff that like feels like you're creating a better space for yourself and and for your kid and for your community so yeah thank you for that insight that was beautiful oh, thank you um so my next question is how do you use your creative practices specifically of writing and visual art to decolonize wellness in your everyday life that's a good question um I don't know if I have an answer for it that's okay (laughs) um or you could just um do you do you have any other thoughts on like how you decolonize wellness in your everyday life Yeah, yeah I feel like one surefire way to decolonize wellness is like get the fuck up off instagram like stop listening to especially those i'm so sorry white cishet women trying to tell me as a black queer person as a child of immigrants as a chronically ill person how to be well like it doesn't work so maybe sometimes for me on a daily it's like checking in like who's this source and is this source reliable and Mm -hmm. what are they really trying to tell me what are they covering up I feel like a lot of wellness blogs gurus or just even perspectives in the mainstream wellness world is really just trying to get you to like kick systematic oppression under the rug and that's not going to work so in my daily life like I'm honest with myself I'm honest with what I'm seeing and I'm analyzing what I'm seeing so that I'm not just like eating it like a sheep you know and just Mm -hmm. listening to other people like sometimes contributing to your wellness means listening to yourself right? And not even going to external sources, you know, validate yourself or just like Dr. Phil has nothing useful to provide. And all those people in that kind of mainstream wellness industry, who are they really speaking to? And if you take it in, if you're a marginalized person in one way, shape or the other, they're probably not talking to you. So don't even try to apply what they're teaching onto your own life, like find your own route. And I feel that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to find my own route. That's beautiful. Finding your own route and nourishing it is what we are here for. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you can maybe then just uh, tell us about some or any of your current art art product sorry, art projects or even writing projects that you're currently working on, if you wanna share. Yeah, right now I'm really giving my all to this novel that I'm writing. Um, I had to scrap like 50,000 words last month and I'm at almost 50,000 words. So that's really where my heart is right now. And to tell you a little bit about it, it's a story about chosen family. It's a story about cheating and lies and secrets because I feel like that is actually at the root of family whether it's found or biological or chosen and like the difficulty, the chaos and like the real work that we have to put in to create harmony in our families. So that's kind of where my mind is at right now. I haven't painted, haven't drawn, I haven't written an article. It's all about this novel right now. That's amazing. Focus. Focus is, it can be such a powerful thing. Yeah. So, So, 
I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a piece of your written work for us, a private reading, if you will. Smile. Okay, question. Please just say smile. <laughs> um, what kind of of my written work? Like, do you want a piece of an article? Do you want a piece of a poem? Do you want a piece of the novel? What do you want? I love, I love, I love how you're just willing to give. Why not? But I, you know, what whatever resonates with you in the moment, whatever you feel <laughs> the community wants to hear. <laughs> okay, then I know what I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a snippet of my poem that is featured in this here anthology um, Behind Shut Eyes and it's just works by queer trans, black indigenous people of color all about dreams. It's all about dreams. I don't know why this is what I'm picking up but this is what I'm picking up. Sometimes you just have to listen to the spirit. Yeah, go with so, the flow. Yeah, my piece in this anthology is a poem called The Fish, the Dream, and the Ocean. Um, yeah, I'm not going to preface it. I'm just going to read. <laughs> I'm already hooked. <laughs> so it says, in my dreams, I'm every single person. In my dreams, I'm a future me, a me I recognize but cannot touch. In my dreams, there is a bright light where your mouth should be. In my dreams, there is music where words should be. There is life free of explanation. In my dreams, it is reality. A long time ago, I dreamt myself this old. The only wisdom is to close my eyes. Tonight, I will dream of a scarred self. Tonight, I will dream of a healed self. Tonight, I will dream of a self that does not exist. In my dreams, there is no border to separate self from love. And that's what I'm sharing. Oh, that was- Thanks for listening. Oh. Thanks for the snaps. <laughs> All the snaps. All the snaps. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Why not? Absolutely. <laughs> I do want to ask if you do want to give context, if you don't, no worries. But if you want to give context to it, where yeah. were you when you wrote this? Like what? Yeah. Um, I just remember seeing the prompt on um, Instagram because somebody that I follow and adore, Coyote Park, kind of put this anthology together and they were like, it's all about dreams or memories or ancestors. And I literally sat up in bed and wrote this like at the speed of light. And I was like, okay, it's good. And I sent it off. Um, but to give context, it's kind of, it's kind of about like all the realities that we get to inhibit in our dreams that we don't get to inhabit in reality. And so in a way, this was me writing about um, like the future self that had had top surgery. In a way, um, if you read the whole poem, I'm also talking about like a self that gets to be welcomed and loved everywhere I go and in all family spaces. And so it's freedom dreaming just as much as it was literally just writing about actual dreams that I'd had. Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like freedom dreaming is so beautiful and important in our communities. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Do you wanna tell us, because I in you mentioned that you you enjoy freedom dreaming. You want to tell us more about that and what that yeah. means to you and all that? I feel like freedom dreaming is like any imaginative or intellectual or creative work or even conversations whereby you're imagining freedom, whether that's like for the collective, whether that's in the individual sense, like what does it look like for us to live in a world where we don't call 911, where maybe we call 411 for a team of mental health clinicians to come through or maybe we call 511 for the EMTs or we call 611 
for the firefighters or what does a world look like where no children are abandoned by their parents and what work do we have to do in the now to get to these freedom dreams that we want to see actualized so I'm always talking about these kinds of things whether it's about healing whether it's about decolonizing wellness whether it's about reconnecting to the inner child whether it's about toppling our oppressors these are kinds of conversations that I want to be having and that I do have with my chosen family and that it within itself is such a creative practice so yeah what I'm just curious like what what has been what have been your specific freedom dreams within like 2022 like what are my dreams for 2022 yeah or like dreams that you have for the future or for your future for community futures Mm -hmm. recently in general wow that is big (laughs) um I really like I think about hunger a lot and Mm -hmm. I don't understand how like so many people come to this country and they they say and they believe that like you know they're chasing a dream they're chasing better opportunities and yet we have like excruciatingly high rates of hunger and rates of poverty in this country and like the amount of money that's invested into food banks as opposed to like feeding people and not wasting food and um like creating programs that that are always in the community that are not just like one-stop shops of canned goods like So I guess my freedom dream is like that I create programs where I feed people, that we all create programs where we feed people, or that we as a collective kind of prioritize the material of like people need to eat, people need to sleep somewhere, people need warmth, and then they can freedom dream. You know what I mean? It's a privilege Mm -hmm. for me to sit here and imagine this future when, you know, people need their needs met before they can do that work. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, food justice has been something that's been um, on my mind um, around community and whatnot for mm-hmm. the last little while as well. So, yeah, yeah. Sure. And and I also I, I I always dream of cooking. Uh, I I love cooking just for myself and my friends. I always try to feed if people are uh, coming over. My friends, I always try to feed them so I love cooking and I always dream of uh, cooking like I want to try cooking in like this big vessels like back home there is like a wedding or something we will cook rice and meat and biryani and like these big vessels so I do have this I'm gonna borrow your words of freedom dream I have this freedom dream of cooking in these big vessels so that I can feed the community so yeah it's one of my dream as well I love that thank you so much so much and sorry this is something I wanted to bring up earlier because um I don't know if this is gonna make it but um, you mentioned around like listening to self Mm -hmm. um and and I think this is around the question of like decolonizing wellness in your everyday life and 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 so I just wanted to mention around that I think that that is so important and I love that you mentioned that because I think everything around wellness and like health and and all these different industries they tell us not to listen to ourselves they tell us to listen to what the what this this practitioner says we should eat and, mm-hmm. and these, these standards that they create that aren't specific to different kinds of bodies, 
of what we should eat and how much exercise we should have and all these different things. Um, and it's and it's so like I see it as so um, like it removes you from your body and from listening to your body. Um, and your body has so much intuition on what you need when it comes to like sleep. You know, I think about like hormone levels for folks who menstruate and, and even for folks who, who don't menstruate, like just like your hormone levels change. And so you need different amounts of sleep at different times. And you won't be able to know that if you're listening to the standard of like sleep seven or eight hours every night. Um, sometimes you might need 10 and you actually really need that, or you sometimes you might be able to need less. And so things like that, I think listening to your body when it comes to, to um, physical wellness, when it comes to spiritual wellness, emotional wellness is, is so important. And it's definitely something that needs to be decolonized yeah. um, because we're very divorced from our bodies mm-hmm. through colonization. Yeah, I feel like that could be a whole another podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yes. So if, if we are ready to close... Yes. So thank oh, you. Oh wait, wait. Sorry. <laughs> I was wondering, Joe, do you before we do close, do you have any final thoughts or anything else you want to really put out into the space? Anything else you want to preach to us so that we can be blessed? <laughs> um okay, I'll just give a I'll give a like summary of all my thoughts. Um mm-hmm. if you really want to decolonize wellness. Look at every single lesson that capitalism and that colonialism and that white supremacy try to teach you, resist them in your everyday life, with your people, in the way you think, in the way you go about your day. And hopefully that will lead to some wellness because these people are feeding us lies. Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jam, for those pearls of wisdom your beautiful poetry and i want to read more of that definitely so please let us know where we can find you your work go ahead and plug it in um yeah you can find it where you find me online at the link in my bio at yikes jamaica or at genderfail.com if you want this anthology behind shut eyes um support independent press support independent queer artists um and so that concludes the discussion component of our episode. We'll be back with our practice segment where Jan will share creative practice with us. for the practice segment of the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jam, for sharing your story and your experiences with us. I'm sure all of our listeners and us can glean nuggets of wisdom from your experiences. And on this podcast, we believe stories are sacred. So we thank you deeply for being here and sharing with us and go creating the space that will help all uh, that will help to amplify the voices of our fellow 2s lgbtq plus youth so now we are moving into the practice segment so jam please let us know what creative practice are you going to share with us today so today we are going to be drawing portraits of our inner children um so it might be helpful to have a picture 
from your younger days. Um, if not, just, you know, bring your inner child to your mind's eye and imagine them as much as you can. You're going to need some paper, a pencil, an eraser, and anything with color, crayons, pencil, crayons, markers, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, I'm just going to go on my Insta because uh, recently it was my birthday and my mom made a collage uh, of my childhood pictures. They're so cute. Just like, <laughs> if I can say so myself, but <laughs> I'm just going to go there. I have I have my myself in my mind's eye and I have my I have colored pens with me and blank paper so yeah I like I I I like to look at my childhood pictures now because Mm -hmm. I kind of hated myself uh, how I looked when I was a child you know then so right now I look back and it's like I was cute why was I talking about Yeah, there can be so much healing found in like looking back at those pictures of your childhood, um, kind of recapturing happy moments or just spending time with your inner child and infusing love into those parts and those places and those times where that wasn't what you were experiencing for self or from others, you know? All right. So are we ready? Yes, absolutely. Um, So... When I draw portraits, listen, I am not a portraitess, portraiteur. I'm really not. I'm really, honestly, if I were honest, I'm a cartoonist. But um, if you're not the best at drawing um, people, I start with shapes, right? So like, for instance, my head shape in this baby picture I have here is giving square. It's giving square. So I'm starting with a square and I might just have to round my edges for my chin, round my edges for my cheeks, that kind of thing. And I always do a sketch. I don't draw because I don't know. I find that sketching allows me to find the shapes when I need to find the softness of the lines. Can I ask a noob question? What is the difference between drawing and sketching? I, okay, that's a great question. To me, drawing is like if you were to put your pencil or your pen onto the page and just draw one line, another line, another line, another, and now it's a rectangle. A sketch is like I'm lifting the pencil off the page and I'm doing small marks to create the lines of my rectangle for instance and now bringing it all together I get it yeah so yeah I'm just sketching like I said a kind of square heart-shaped thing for my head I'm drawing some rectangles some long rectangles with some roundness for my legs some weird kind of rectangle triangular things for my feet but this practice for me is not even so much all about drawing me as a child in and of myself it's not so much about getting it right or drawing this body the way that I see it in the picture so once I move on from drawing myself in whatever lines whatever shapes kind of makes sense then that's when I move to color and I use the color to kind of try and capture the energy of the picture or the energy of the time, the energy of that childhood self with shapes, with squiggly wiggly lines with color. So that's what I'm all about. So I've drawn this gigantic child. wasn't that big but not great proportions and then I'm like trying to like some people can see the auras you know 
I just feel like mm-hmm. I try to capture the energy. So if I'm looking very yes. open or playful, I might go with yellows, greens, colors of spring for some reason. If I'm upset in the picture, I might go with some red. If I'm sad, I might go with some blue. Sometimes I take it really literally or sometimes I'm just trying to create color and fill up space with energy in a visual sense. So me, I'm using crayons and I'm trying to fill up the space around this little baby me. Using some oranges, some yellows, some purples, because I look very inquisitive in this picture. So yellow and orange feels inquisitive to me and circles feel inquisitive to me. And anything like a curved line that might mock the shape of a question mark feels inquisitive to me. So I'm very much into the symbols and the colors, the shapes and the movement of my picture a little bit more than I am about the portrait. So as we're continuing this, I'm wondering when did you like start this creative practice or when did you first do it and what was that like? Um, I feel like there were a couple of months throughout this last summer where I was really getting very deep into inner child work and like reading a lot about it and trying to connect more deeply with my inner child. And so that's kind of when I began not just drawing my inner child, but like speaking to my inner child in the mirror and trying to feel more of a tangible connection to that child, as opposed to just having an abstract thought about who this child might be in my mind. Yeah, and and um, for folks who are um, not familiar with inner child work or what that means, I'm one of them. <laughs> What's, what does that mean? And, and, yeah. I feel like, you know, a lot of people can define it differently, but for me, it means, like I say, reconnecting with, my childhood and whether that means like looking at it through a different lens or trying to process what I experienced trying to learn from some of my traumatic experiences or just having that child feel like they're with me and have more of a say in my life maybe it's um acting in more of a childlike way to take care of this this child because basically the idea is that even though we grow up we age those inner children are still with us. So that three-year-old is still inside me. That seven-year-old is still inside me. That 14-year-old is still inside me. And if I don't address these children inside me, they'll be pulling the strings of my life. So if I go and speak to them, do this work and let them know that they're acknowledged, that I recognize that they're still here, then we can have more of a harmonious relationship. And then maybe I can heal some of those inner wounds that that child had to endure. That's what inner child is. Inner child work is for me. Yeah, that, that is... Yeah, that is beautiful because I I can relate with that. You know, sometimes I think about something that happened when I was a child and I'm like, you know, then I think to myself, why am I still, you know, caught on on that? It was, you know, I was, I was small. I was like this much years old. I was five, six, whatever. And that is, that is kind of the opposite of what you said. I'm not acknowledging it. I'm just, again, like suppressing it. Mm-hmm. So I think I need to do what you just said. I need to acknowledge them and like, you know, that inner child is still a person, you know, mm-hmm. even though they were only five-year-old, uh, you know, people treated them like a child, but, you know, treat them like a person now. And I, thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
yeah yeah something something I like to do is um like I like to to like look back on the places where like in my past like as a child as a, a growing person I was hurting and I'll think back to that memory and I'll lie in bed and I'll like pretend that I'm like an older like an older version of myself like a much older version of myself is like calming myself and like being like it's okay like I know you weren't held at this time in your life but I'm holding you now mm -hmm. yeah. um and I feel like that's always been very healing to me and so yeah this that sounds amazing yeah so you do know inner child work because you have <laughs> even if you don't you don't look at it like that yeah I'm like, I want to use all the colors <laughs> <laughs> yes yes Sorry. <laughs> it's alive! This is having too much fun. <laughs> yeah. And even, you know, I feel like sometimes just doing the things that you liked to do as a child and like having that freedom and not censoring yourself the way you might have been censored as a child, that's doing inner child work as well, you know? Build that fort, baby. Eat with your hands. Yeah. You know, listen to kids bop. Do what you want to do. <laughs> Watch Arthur on Saturday mornings, you know? Yes. healing as well <laughs> one thing I remember I did when I hit university was I got so much pink because as as a kid like in my in my family fem, fem, like you know how pink is associated with femininity and it was just so frowned upon like anything feminine was just like ah it's shit it's weak <laughs> um, and so like and also within society like I'm trying to be cool I'm like ooh, my favorite color is like green <laughs> which it was I did like great great all colors are great but um I feel like I really suppressed like any desire to have anything that was pink um because I'm like that's gross and so when I hit first year university I got so much pink and it was so like now I'm like ugh, but like at the time it was so liberating and I feel like that was an important step in my continual journey of like being like I suppress this part of myself so much and there's the way I'm gonna express it and let myself live out that absolutely no more suppression only expression right? <laughs> yes. yes love it well um are you is everyone sort of like sort of done with their drawings yeah mm -hmm. do we want to like for show so yes yeah, show and tell for okay i'll give a little disclaimer so there is a video component to this podcast um if you'd like to see it it should be available sometime soon and an update will be put on lgbt lgbt youth lines um instagram when that's up and you'll be able to see our drawings so um who wants to share theirs first okay i'll go um, <laughs> so, let me make sure that you know i'm gonna get in my youtuber bag here and make sure that you can see properly <laughs> so i chose to draw this picture of very baby me i don't think i was two yet oh arms absolutely getting that early life work in and this is what I created. Oh my <laughs> God. God. Yeah. Oh, wow. You got some blue, you got some yellow, orange, green. Cause again, I'm trying to go for that kind of inquisitive, open, curious look. Yes. Let's yeah, let's get the light right. That's it. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed. Well done. <laughs> That's cute. beautiful. Thank you. I can go next. Mm. So I did not like I had a picture in my mind's eye. I didn't even draw that picture. I think I drew its aura. <laughs> I 
So it's me in this, like, I'm literally like, I'm a baby and I'm in a wedding dress. Like for some reason, my parents were like, oh, we're taking photos. Let's put you in like, I had like a little white bonnet. <laughs> in, like, a, a wedding dress. Um, and so, but yeah, this is, this is what I got from the aura. Oh. So this that is yeah. so adorable. Yeah. Look at that fluorescent. I love, I love that mm-hmm. fluorescent. Night. So that's that's what I joined. Okay, so I I cannot show you the original because if I I'll have to screen share to do that. You can First describe it so you guys can have a uh, glimpse of it. Do you, can you see anything? Yes, we can see your screen. So, so I'm I draw this this tiny me. Uh, do you yeah. see in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> So I also think I was like around uh, two or something there. <laughs> that is so cute. Oh, that's so cute. And accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, I, for the background, like colors, I went with all colors because I always like all the colors. I cannot, I'm very, I cannot pick. <laughs> Basically, I like all the colors most of the time. Like my most favorite is purple, but for art and stuff, I can I can never pick. So I always want all colors. I was like, oh no, this color is gonna feel bad. I didn't include it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sweet. Oh, uh, yeah. Love purple. Yeah, yes. that was fun. Yes. yes, purple is my favorite. That's that's one thing I'm sure of. Mm-hmm. Purple. <laughs> um. Yeah, so any final tips around like maybe mental space around being in this practice or or any final tips about the practice that you want to to for us folks to keep in mind as they're doing it? Yeah, I mean, if you're not into the visual art component, you can always just write a letter to your inner child. Um, you can speak a letter to your inner child if you're not like into the writing component of it. You can just know that you can do inner child work. You can speak to your inner child all the time. And if you honestly allow the space, your inner child will answer you. Those are my yeah. So beautiful. Awesome. I was listening to what podcast was I listening to? I listened to way too many podcasts. I was listening to I Way with Jamila Jamil. And um, they and um, she had a guest and they were talking about like also like your older self and like talking to your older self as well and I'm like this is like this is so beautiful like this idea that like all of your ages sort of exist within you and you can communicate to them and they can give you wisdom or you can support yourself your younger self or like things like that so I think it's so beautiful and so important so thank you thank you for sharing it Um, and thank you for this offering that you so graciously gave to us it was a pleasure. It was so fun. It was such a good conversation. So thank you all for having me. Thank you for considering me. What? Oh, of course. Coolest <laughs> person. Coolest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm excited to continue this practice and actually maybe actually have a photo in front of me when I do it. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. And um, I'm also really excited to check out all your work. And I'm, I'm going to like tear up because I'm so excited for your book. Like, I'm so fucking excited. Like, I can't even. <laughs> oh, my God. I better write it then. <laughs> <laughs> um...
This podcast was created by Ashiana Ismail and Grace Guillaume with the support of Destiny Kumari and the PYAP team. This episode was edited by Uman with music created by Grace and the art for the podcast logo was created by Tamina Giasi. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and all the episodes along with their transcripts are available at youthline.ca. See you next time and until then drink water and keep nourishing your roots.